You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Roll back the rock to the dawn of time When the earth was smoking and the lava flowed Roll back the rock to the dawn of time Blow your cool just like a volcano Snap your fingers and stomp your feet Soaking up a little of the jungle beat Roll back the rock to the dawn of time Sing this song with me Hello everybody, my name is Zach I'm Brandon A.K.A. DJ Screw Eyes <laughs> oh, Wish for a dinosaur and watch all your dreams come Jesus true Jesus Christ, you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, The show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood Or just movies you look back on fondly And we decipher whether or not they're worth your nostalgia If they're any good at all This week we watch 1993's animated adventure comedy We're Back! A Dinosaur Story yeah, and uh, just to preface this to our listeners who might have followed this along on Netflix, uh, you're welcome. Ah, I'm sorry, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more sorry than, than appreciative. Shut your mouth. <laughs> we're back! Holy shit! Uh, exclamation point, by the way. We're back! Exclamation point. A Dinosaur Story. It joins the elite group, Zach, of movies with exclamation points in their title, like Airplane, Three Amigos, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Come on, that thing you do? Yeah, all classics. When a date with Tad Hamilton had an exclamation point, it just really Ooh. shouts at the viewer, really gets your attention up, and you are pretty pumped to watch that movie whenever I see an exclamation point in the title. Well, that was not the draw of this movie when I was a kid. No, the draw of this movie was, of course, Dinosaurs, Brandon. Uh, we've talked several times about dinosaurs on this podcast and our love for them, the fact that we watched anything with them in our childhood, and I think we're kind of taking each other to task on how much we truly enjoyed the movie, or if it was really our love for these goddamn prehistoric creatures, because there's been some shit with dinosaurs in it. We'll see if this is one of them. You can definitely tell that this played into our childhood, because this is our third dinosaur movie, I believe, Brandon. <laughs> we love them dinos. The others having been dinosaur. <laughs> and Jurassic Park Trois. 3. Yeah, exactly. The best one, which we deciphered. Yeah, of course the best one. Who th who thinks it's not the best one? Do you think it's better or worse than Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World? Ooh, I think Jurassic Park 3 is better than Fallen Kingdom. I will second that, my friend. I will second that. I think Jurassic World was a better... Again, we're, we're, we're straying, however, not too far, because this is a Steven Spielberg joint. This is an argument we get in every, like, <laughs> ten episodes or so. So I'm glad we keep revisiting the topic. Yeah, but you're right. This was a Steven Spielberg movie. In fact, I remember, and we were I was going to bring this up during the podcast, but I might as well do it now. There's even a Jurassic Park plug in this movie. Yeah, I did not remember that, and I gotta be honest, Zach, I didn't remember a single thing about this movie other than the cover and the, the Macy's Day parade scene. That's literally all I could, could remember as I was watching it. Yeah, I gotta tell you, uh, as soon as I put this on, I realized I also didn't remember a thing about this movie. Like, certain scenes started flooding back to me and just remember watching them as a kid, just kind of sitting on the floor in front of the TV, not understanding what's going on, because Brandon... As an adult, I understood what was going on to a degree that, like, I can understand English. Mentally, it didn't make a lot of sense. I will say in the, you know, year plus that we've been doing this podcast, <laughs> the first 10 minutes of this film may be the most confounding of any. I, I, it's jarring. To try, to, to try to describe what the plot is of this film is just asinine. I'm going to feel like a real dick. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. For those of you who maybe have seen it or don't know, just a refresher, uh, this movie is about animated dinosaurs coming back and roaming the streets of New York. And, oh gosh, there's there's wish radios and there's uh, child endangerment, all kinds of weird stuff going on in this. Fear radios, <laughs> uh, magic question Brain mark. cereal, I guess. The Museum of Natural History... I mean, and pretty much just like anybody Steven Spielberg, like he called in every favor he had around the city. Jeez. So, again, this was a movie that I watched 
several times really young. I'm talking like five years old because my aunt had it on VHS. It was one of the few movies I was allowed to watch at her house because a lot of her VHS titles were, you know, adult friendly. Mm -hmm. I remember vividly this white clamshell case with the white background and these stupid dinosaurs smiling. We're back. And every time I saw that cover, it excited me. But for some reason, man, I, I just this movie evaporated from my mind and I have not thought about it in 20 years. Every once in a while, I think about it like i think about john goodman and i'm like oh yeah he was in that dinosaur movie that i i wore out the case this is how much i used to watch this movie and uh i i don't know why but I, it must have just been my love of dinosaurs um every once in a while peeks in my head but i swear to god except for maybe one like drunken attempt that i don't even remember i don't think i've seen this movie gosh maybe since i was like seven years old well it came out like i said 1993 the exact same year as jurassic park mm -hmm. which became a staple of my and your childhood I, I, and so i think that was really the dinosaur film i remembered of course until 2000s dinosaur and then you know the land before time was even a bit earlier than that and i think 88 or 89 but god man this is a movie you say drinking to it this is one that if it doesn't have entertainment value on a you know an intellectual or story based <laughs> level it certainly does if you were on something cuz let's we'll get into the plot here but it's fucking cuckoo bananas it's an acid trip it really is uh the nice thing about it though is that it's a cool 70 minutes long thank god oh thank god and like we said at the time of recording this, it's still on Netflix, so if you want to pause it, watch the movie to understand what we're going through. Or maybe us describing the movie might entice you to see it, just to understand what the fuck we're talking about. But before we get into all that, let's get into the basics. It's directed by four gentlemen, alright? It took four guys to get this to the big screen. Phil... And it shows! <laughs> Phil Nibelink, I believe his name was. Classic. And Simon Wells. Those two guys also directed uh, An American Tale, Fifel Goes West, which you can check out on our feed another movie we uh, covered and then the zondog the zondag brothers i believe dick and ralph zondag i do know that ralph uh zondag co-directed dinosaur so we've already Ooh. we're already accustomed with these guys film this is zondag too <laughs> Zondag Return squared, to Zondag, bro. yeah. Yeah, Dick did not co-direct or direct anything else, um, unfortunately. You know, I said this before we went on air, before we started recording, and I, I think it just bears repeating. This movie is like if half of the crew knew that they were working on like a Spielberg produced production and the other half were just not told what was going on. <laughs> like the animators are on board. The music people are on board. The people writing the script and the voice actors do not know Gosh, what's happening. I guess there's a book uh, of the same name that this was actually based off of. It came out in 1987. Spielberg acquired the rights to it. We're back is not as fondly remembered <laughs> as you know, you may have thought, I guess. What? Yeah, It's got a 6.1 on IMDb and a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was actually certified a box office bomb when it was first released back in 93. It earned only $9 million, and there's no budget information listed. I looked, you know, Wikipedia, IMDb, all the usual suspects. They did not have any information about how much this thing cost, and I think Universal kind of swept it under the rug. They are not very proud of where back it seemed, at least upon first release. It must have cost a pretty penny because you look at the cast list of this movie, it is full of heavy hitters. It's one of the most, we talked about the plot being confounding. The, the, the cast of this film, I don't understand what the hell's going on, how these people got wrangled into this, and why they're there in the first oh, place. Oh, John Goodman is snoring through this performance, man. <laughs> he, like, very clearly did this in, like, under two hours, got through it, and bailed the fuck out of there with his paycheck what's interesting is this is his first you know feature length animated voice role he did a shit ton after this we, were, we already covered you know emperor's new groove but you know monsters inc and he's done a ton of voice work because he's got a great voice it all started here i guess with rex he is a great <laughs> voice actor as we know he's a great actor noted thespian I don't know what happened in this movie, man. It's like he's cold reading the script and like wasn't paying attention, didn't realize they were recording, and like he finished up his cold read, and they were like, "All right, John, you're good," and like sent him home. I hear a lot of Frosty returns in this one. Remember, he did the sequel to Frosty the Snowman, yeah. which just sounded like a dickhead, yes. like practicing <laughs> his lines in a booth somewhere. Like, what's going on here, good man? It's like they just sent him home. They're like, "Yeah, we got it." Well, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Bowfinger that movie with her. 
<laughs> trying to shoot Eddie Murphy by accident. Yeah. And somehow they got him to read this script at like a dinner or a table, just kind of like practicing the lines and somehow they recorded it. <laughs> yeah, a box office bomb. It finished 115th for the year of 1993. This is $93, people. <laughs> if it finished 115th, that is saying something. I mean, it's bad. That was a bad year for movies. Well, not too bad, my friend, because it actually finished behind, you know, some notable Nostalgia Be Damned alumnus, including Free mm-hmm. Willy, The Nightmare Before yep. Christmas, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, and Hocus Pocus, all of which you can find on the feed. And you're right. It's not that bad of a year because all of those have great reviews by us. <laughs> Free Willy does, bra. Look it up. Yeah, Free Willy does. That's right. Yeah, check out the archive. Uh, so I guess this movie was originally planned to be a TV special. That also kind of makes sense with its scant running time. It took four years to make, and the film was completely wrapped in the fall of 1993, just before, like months before, its uh, theatrical release on November 24th. It's a Thanksgiving movie. It takes place at Thanksgiving, and they hit theaters at Thanksgiving, so good on you for that. And uh, there were also some video game adaptations of the film, which I didn't know, but they released them on uh, Sega and Game Boy. Uh, That's news to me. And lastly, I will just, this is a quick little bit of, t- of information based on some of the casting. We talked about how John Goodman is in this movie. Some of the other players here, we got Charles Fleischer, you know, uh, Roger Rabbit. We've also got uh, Martin Short, Yardley Smith, who was Lisa Simpson. You've heard her voice many times. Then there's some fucking wild cards. So they got Jay Leno. They got Julia Child, the famous chef. And they also got Walter Cronkite. (laughs) Walter Cronkite plays a supporting character in this movie. (laughs) It is so weird. He's the driving force of this movie. They also have Larry King playing himself. Larry King does play in this, as well as Rhea Perlman, Danny DeVito's wife. She's in there for a second. But what's truly fascinating is, I guess, the villain was originally going to be played by the incomparable John Malkovich, Con Ayers. Ooh. John Malkovich, if you <laughs> are a fan of that Not film. John Malkovich from, like, Cyrus the Virus, anything if you remember. else that he's been in recently, very good. Oh, boy. Uh so originally, he was set to voice the role of Professor Screw Eyes, who's the villain in the movie. He dropped out with disagreements with the directors uh, based on their vision of the film, calling it subpar to say the least. However, in, a, in an interview in about 2003, he got into why he left. And he said, I just have to read this quote, good ideas go to die in Hollywood. I worked on an animated movie about dinosaurs in New York once. They took something that had art in it and put it in the laps of people that only cared about the bottom line and look what happened. That movie makes you sick. That's why I left this town. It's all about the money, the bottom line. It's disgusting. (laughs) My God. This is the movie that made John Malkovich leave Hollywood. Oh, my God. Think about that. Think about what we're in for in the next 40 minutes. (laughs) Think about four years later, he accepted the role of Cyrus the Virus in Con Air. He thought that was good enough to take, but this he called disgusting. Yeah, they don't like the people of Con Air didn't care about the bottom line. They cared about art for sure. <laughs> yes, they did. Put down the bunny. But this kids movie, fuck that. Uh, well, let's get into it. A quick 70 minutes, but there is so much to dive into. Uh, yeah, there is. We, we get the blandest, most boring title sequence for a child, children's film I think I've ever seen. It's just black, black screen with white text and the laziest, like, beep bop bop gop bop bop jazz, like some guy mumbling jazz underneath. It might be good himself i don't know i was gonna say you know what i'm just gonna throw this out there right now i'm a fan of the music of the, in this movie <laughs> oh, i know i like no. i like the musical i like the stupid like uh, jazz thing i like i didn't hate that it was it's been stuck in my head bitch. all day well, i did i didn't know i hated it i hated the song that we get like twice in the movie <laughs> oh boy but we open up in 1990s New York City with, a, here we go, a family of bluebirds. They're basically wrestling in a nest. One of them, who I believe is Buster, seems to be, you know, hey, maybe this might be a protagonist. Maybe this is a lead character oh God, no. of our film. Not sure, you know, we're in dinosaur land, but for some reason we're spending an awful lot of time with this eastern bluebird, uh, Buster, who, again, voiced by Rhea Perlman. There we go. They use this as sort of an introduction. He's like getting in a fight with his brothers over food. He's kind of the small bird in the nest and he ends up getting like pushed out during mealtime and just decides, you know what? It's time for me to leave the nest. I'm going to fly away and make it out on my own. And uh, he doesn't, obviously, because he's a tiny little bird. He can't fly. And he lands on a golf ball where a giant dinosaur is playing golf. (laughs) 
Now, you may be thinking to yourself, hang on a second, we're in present-day New York City, and this bird who's sick of being emaciated and treated poorly by his family is about to leave. He says for the circus, because back in the 90s, all of us 90s kids just wanted to leave home for the circus. The circus was like the equivalent of making it in Hollywood for kids in the 90s. They're like, (laughs) nah, like... Yeah, I'm going to go be an actor? No, fuck that. I'm going to go join the circus. What the fuck was the draw of the circus? <laughs> that, like, you know, there's animals, bright lights. I get it. No, I did What? It's a terrible life. <laughs> I And we'll find out more about the intricacies of circus life later oh, on. Oh, God, will we ever. But John Goodman plays Rex. He is, yeah, a giant anthropomorphized uh, orange, for some reason, Tyrannosaurus Rex, who can talk. Playing and, golf. And playing golf in, like, a, a golf tee hat, and he's got a little, like, sweater on. It's stupid as hell. No context whatsoever. So if you're coming into this with fresh eyes, having no idea what the movie's about, uh, this is just happening. There's no explanation to it. There's no other humans around. It's just like, you, like you'd like you be forgiven for thinking you're in for like another Zootopia. Inexplicable. I'd say really the word to describe much of the plot. They're just going to go with it. And you better go with it or you're not going to have a good time. It's essentially don't run away from home, I think, is the central theme of this movie. Yeah, but they tell you that story by bringing dinosaurs into the future? <laughs> I don't know. But Rex picks up the little bluebird and says, hey, you know, what do you... What are you doing? The bluebird says that he's going to leave home for no reason. And he's like, or no, wait, does he even like say that? He's just like is explaining to him that he can talk. Well, not only that, we got to get into the New York accent because the Buster immediately starts with, hey, aren't you a dinosaur? What are you playing golf for? Oh, my God. Everybody is fucking going for a slice and calling a taxi in this movie. And he's basically like, well, I'm not your average dinosaur. I'm smart as shit. The New York accents are brutal. Oh, but Rex, apparently, like I said, he's smart. He's so smart, he's going to tell Buster his whole life story. Flashback to a prehistoric jungle. I think we're in the Jurassic era. No idea, but doesn't matter. Rex is, you know, your typical T-Rex. He doesn't have the, you know, the bug eyes and the wide jaw he's got. He's slightly more wild and and animalistic. Tiny little arms. Yeah, yeah. he looks more like a traditional T-Rex, despite the color. I don't know what color. I, I mean, again, everything we're learning about dinosaurs now is false and so we've they were supposed to have feathers and the t-rex was like not much bigger than you or i or something like that so who knows what he really looked like but i guarantee he wasn't fucking orange yeah probably (laughs) either way so he's god damn it he's chasing after this another little dinosaur to eat and out of nowhere a spaceship lands and out of that spaceship arrives uh vorb a tiny little alien who gives rex brain gain i could have sworn this Little kazoo motherfucker was in this movie way more than he ended up being. This like his only scene. Yeah, I'm so, so glad he only is in one or two scenes. But again, what a fucking hard right turn. I'm in the dinosaur, I'm in the jungle, and a spaceship lands. And and for some reason, this spaceship just inexplicably feeds him cereal that makes him smart. There's no explanation. There's no reasoning. It's just, this is what's happening. It's being shoved in your face. Deal with it. Rex is fed... Yeah, 280 portions of brain grain. Brain grain as opposed to brain drain or brain anything. There's a lot of mixed signals in this movie. Lots of rhyming, but this is um, some sort of miracle interstellar cereal that turns him into, you know, very intelligent. And, and he speaks like a human. He knows English. And this is all news to him. Like, he, this is the first time he's verbalizing his thoughts. And wouldn't you know it, there's also some other dinosaurs who have been you know given this same power or the same cereal what i vorb this little alien guy who's first introduced he starts rattling off that there was some sort of like contest or they've their their species has won this like prize to to be imbued with this power i you know what it's not even worth fucking going in on because it just like it doesn't matter this whole opening is just glossed over it's just like trust us they're dinosaurs they talk get over it talking for the first time he's articulating language and you know (laughs) expressing his inner thoughts through verbal cues for the very first time all new to him we're introduced to the other dinosaurs at this point too and uh it's a shame on me that i can't remember their names because they only 
have like five introduction scenes in this entire movie. Did you notice that, Brandon? Like there is at least four scenes throughout the entire film at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end where they all just go around in a circle and introduce themselves. I did notice that and I still didn't remember their names except for writing them down. It's Woog, Elsa, and Dweeb, in case you want to remember for later. They are the three most, I mean, they're, they're completely bereft of any character or personality. They're just nothing. There's a pterodactyl, like a, what, a stegosaur? I don't even know what that, what are they? <laughs> the dinosaurs, a Triceratops, a uh, flying one that I can't fucking remember. <laughs> yeah, pterodactyl, and then a, an iguanodon or something? Who I don't know, Who fucking whatever. cares? Uh, the one that, like, looks stupid. Then we hit minute 10. By minute 10, we are now introduced to Walter Cronkite's Captain New Eyes, who is... Not only the inventor of this brain grain, but also of this wish radio. Now, this radio, he explains, can hear people's wishes, especially young people, because they wish the loudest. Ooh, and yeah, this is creepy as shit. So he's a time-traveling genius with magical make-you-smart cereal who (laughs) listens in on people like God. And... Like, his whole explanation as to why he decided to bring the dinosaurs into uh, cognizant thought is that so many children in what he calls the near future, or modern day for us simple folk... I'm sorry, he calls it middle future, which infuriated me to no end. (laughs) Yeah, middle future. (laughs) Sorry, that's just funny. That's Um, so stupid. (laughs) Apparently, like, what kids wish for the most is to see a real dinosaur, I guess. Which, you know, I guess back when Jurassic Park came out and, like, The Land Before Time, you know, he might not be far off at this point if we're talking, like, early 90s. Yeah, well, just, if he's listening to kids and for some reason kids' wishes are the loudest, let's get down to brass tacks. We all know what most of these young men are are wishing for. What Louis would be wishing for would be some unsightly thoughts oh, i wish i could just fuck my secretary <laughs> well, i don't know if he's got a secretary at the time because again young kids wish the loudest but what do they do are they moaning the loudest? oh we're talking about we're talking about the little kids still i was talking about the implications of listening in on adults oh good god like oh, I, I wish i had know. more blow yeah <laughs> yeah especially like 93 oh yeah dude blow is still in meanwhile what walter cronkite's like well i bet i could get you some blow or some puss <laughs> And that's the way it was. Ah, respected newsman Walter Cronkite. Debasing himself as Captain New Eyes or Dr. New Eyes or whatever the fuck it is. But Professor and Professor. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, he did go to school. Yeah, get over yourself. Yeah, he he worked hard to earn his doctorate in wish fulfillment. Slash time and cer- travel. And serial invention, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. What a, I mean, what a Swiss army knife of a guy, though. He can do it all. He's all over the fucking place. But so he kind of explains to these dinosaurs, like, all right, like, so I brought you to life so you can talk to kids and meet kids uh, who want to meet dinosaurs. We're going to put you in the Natural History Museum where you'll live in servitude for the rest of your lives. <laughs> and they're like, oh, dude, this is fucking sweet because they just like the adoration of children. Again, creatures they have no idea what they are or like, what is that? What's that? And they're like, oh, these are little kids. First time <laughs> seeing humans. First time seeing humans never conceptualized humans in their lives. <laughs> But they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help the kids. And again, like, New Eyes is just like, yeah, you've met my, you know, alien employee. This is just so fucking out of control weird right off the bat. So we're going to time travel millions of years into the future. (laughs) To the middle future, a.k.a. the present. (laughs) And we're just going to throw you out into New York City. Yeah, he's like, you'll meet, or he's like, two people you might come across. One of which is uh, Dr. Julia Bleeb, who is, you know, voiced by Julia Child. She is aware that you're of your impending arrival. She knows you're coming, and she's going to guide you to the Museum of Natural History. She doesn't think there's anything weird about it. She's just going to accept the donation to the museum, and uh, it'll be great. Everyone's cool with the fact that these dinosaurs talk, dude. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a second person you got to look out for, and it's contradictory to Professor New Eyes, 
but Professor Screw Eyes. <laughs> oh, and he's my bro. He's also been driven bad by the loss of his left eye. So that's he's all you crazy. need to know. <laughs> he's crazy, cruel, and causing mischief in the world. So he's just like, so stay away from him. <laughs> yeah, he lost it in Korea. That's all we talk about. We don't invite him to Thanksgiving. Uh, that's it. And then they. Push him out an airplane. Is it an airplane or is it a pirate ship spacecraft vehicle of some sort? <laughs> oh, excuse me. I, you're right. I need to be. These are the details that our our listeners expect. They are pushed out of a pirate craft space thing instead of just landing like and just dropping them off at the natural history museum or just like seeing them off and making sure they're safe and fine they just push him into the hudson (laughs) with with like what parachutes on yeah yeah with like parachutes which they like don't know how to use in (laughs) because they're dinosaurs they've been (laughs) cognizant for 10 minutes (laughs) oh my god jesus christ yeah they wind up landing in the hudson river on some strange like garbage canoe that's been fashioned by you know new yorker louis our young character that we're gonna become accustomed to quite quickly i'm just gonna go ahead and say it i fucking hate everything about this kid i hate this kid so much this kid is jumped to the highest you know bracket of our tournament for terrible lead protagonists he's a number one or two seed it's impressive how fucking despicable this character is and like we said earlier he is just fucking ordering a slice calling a taxi directing you to midtown fucking calling out tourists new yorker he's fucking awful the dinosaurs land on his like garbage barge flipping it over and they're all chatting and stuff he comes up to and you know they're introduced they talk they have a conversation he's like i think my name is louie but you's a giving me doubts about my brain <laughs> it, that's and you know what i wish brandon was being like over dramatic to, to for comedy's sake no that's it's it's one of the first sentences uttered by this kid and not only was buster the bird planning to get to the circus that's louis plan too he wants he's run away from a home i guess because his mom gives him too much affection what an ass yeah his parents his parents are very very nice and louis doesn't fucking play that shit so he's running off to the circus to go scrape up some elephant shit man like a true fucking badass he's a real max goof you know (laughs) yeah he is a max goof (laughs) oh boy well it turns out that the circus is right next door to the uh museum so they're both heading the right direction let's help each other out you know i actually haven't and this is weird being uh uh native of new york state but i've never actually been to that part of new york city uh have you because i don't think and i could be wrong i don't think there's a circus right next to the museum of natural history in new york city i've never been either but i can guarantee that from what i understand it's playing in central park now central park could be near i guess the natural any 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 listeners from new york with a detailed, you know, knowledge of the city, please write in. It'd be greatly appreciated. New York City again. Like I'm, I'm from New York, but I, th- the longest I've been in there was a fucking layover in LaGuardia. <laughs> Well, Rex, you know, they're getting accustomed to life in New York City. He is so enamored and wowed by the sight of the Twin Towers that he falls back into the water. And because T-Rexes can't swim, he's about to drown. Luckily, Louie, being a regular New Yorker, he knows his fucking construction equipment. <laughs> so, Oh, of course he does. <laughs> Have you heard him talk? He knows how to fucking work construction equipment. He knows how to cat call, too. And he winds up, you know, digging the T-Rex out of the, the river with the crane. And they have this stupid little heart-to-heart where he's like, hey, you saved my life. And he's like, oh, don't mention it. Yeah, because Rex realizes, like, there is. we skipped over it because there's too much insanity going on in one one part of this movie. But um, Rex recognizes him as a kid that he saw from the wish radio <laughs> which which i know without context sounds like a weird sentence to say but he realizes that that's louis a kid that he heard slash saw on the radio uh whose only wish is that he had a friend and so rex immediately tries to befriend him and i thought like their friendship goes much deeper they like barely talk to each other in this movie i'm good with that <laughs> 
This movie moves at breakneck speed. That it does. So fast, I can barely keep up. Because now they're off. They're like, all right, well, let's get to the museum and the park. They leave. And just as they're leaving, fucking Julia Bleeb arrives late, as usual, and uh, misses the dinos. She's, again, it's just, why is Julia Child voicing this? Po- I don't get it. It's just weird. Just weird. And it's all, it's all just, like, mumbles and, like, one-liners. So, like, it really just kind of comes down to she had, like, five or six lines in this movie but again and i said this kind of facetiously in the beginning but it just feels like spielberg who is an executive producer in this movie just called in every fucking favor that he had to just like random people that he knew were free i guess yeah so elsa the pterodactyl at this point spots the macy's day parade we get what is my favorite and i think really the only impressive scene of animation in the whole movie is them flying around the city as he's like on top of her and it's kind of cool to see the building stretch and they actually do some movement here in the animation i will say it's really routine and kind of just basic bland there's nothing uh impressive about this animation at all it's filler um this scene is filler for sure but like it you're right it's probably the most impressive thing you're gonna get out of this movie there is one other scene i actually did like in this movie a lot that we'll get to later but this is definitely one of the better ones so they're flying around and uh louis gets this great idea that he looks down and he sees the macy's thanksgiving day parade and uh you know instead of sneak so in order to avoid a riot he wants to like pass the dinosaurs off as balloons so you know instead of sneaking them around on a day where arguably the city is probably the emptiest around that area you just take them to the most fucking populated like centralized place in the city but new york is a busy zach they ain't gonna notice some dinosaurs walking through their city yeah but you're going to the one place where everybody's paying attention yeah yeah But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves because as he's flying around, he notices a girl on the balcony who loses her hat. And, uh, oh yeah, she does, dude. Loses her hat and finds her heart. This is where Louie meets Bay, dude. It's, uh, Cecilia Nuthatch. Oh my god. Got such a crush on Cecile Nut, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, got that Nuthatch crush? I don't understand this because when he lands, he, he goes to meet Cecilia Nuthatch and he puts on the fucking new york punk street charm oh i I don't know about charm he's he's a bit of a dick he starts off the conversation first off she's weeping um (laughs) weeping on the side of this dope ass suite because it's thanksgiving and she's all alone her parents aren't there to comfort her but you know louis being the streetwise street rat that he is he comes in guns blazing he's like why are you crying don't you like turkey did your parents beat you (laughs) he just goes off on (laughs) He calls her like toots and big eyes, you know, all the great, awesome construction worker pickup lines uh, <laughs> that these these New York street street kids have. This little girl, I feel terrible for this little girl. She's the one who like has reason to run away. This is where like Louie just admits he's like, ah, my mom is always giving me like hugs and kisses, so I bailed the fuck out of there. Yeah, she kissed me in public, so I'm running away to the circus. Meanwhile, this uh, little girl has photos of herself at family night just, like, by herself. <laughs> <laughs> These photos oh, are hanging on the wall, and her parents aren't there on Thanksgiving. They're, like, off on vacation, like, wish you were here. Yeah, just left her there alone. That, I was going to go the typical, you know, 90s route of kids need to get over their parents working so much to provide this lifestyle. No, but this little girl has a point. <laughs> she is straight up neglected. Yeah, I get it. So... Uh, Louis convinces her, hey, just run away to the circus with me. It'll be fucking sweet. We can kiss a little bit. The circus? That's the fucking highest calling of ever. Do you think we can do it? (laughs) Yeah, of course we can fuck it. It's a circus. They'll fucking take anybody. But yeah, meanwhile, the uh, the dinosaurs are traipsing across the city. But again, New Yorkers are so busy with their life. There's guys walking by the dinosaurs just like, hey, mind your business. They're not even looking at them. It's a fucking dinosaur. (laughs) This isn't just this isn't another passerby on the street guy. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. This is pre 9/11 New York, but even New Yorkers would see like five dinosaurs in an alleyway and freak out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I would hope so. And, and they have honestly the most appropriate reaction of anyone in the movie when people do realize dinosaurs are real, right? Like it's this scene here. We get the cover art of the movie, them pretending to be 
uh, robot balloons. This well, is also no, they're confusing. Just, yeah, like, <laughs> no, no, I don't know. No, because everyone thinks they're balloons at first, and then the kids are all like, oh, I wish you were real. They look so real. And the parents are like, shut up. They're robots. Yeah, they're <laughs> fucking robots, you dumbass little pieces of shit. And then, but I thought they were balloons, mommy. Shut up. Shut up. I'm going to hit you. And then... That's when Rex, you know, he's he's like, hey, like, I'm really digging this attention. So he starts a musical number, Brandon. <sighs> Roll back the rock or something like that. Um, yeah. Throw back the clock. It's awful. It's just awful. <laughs> I don't think it's awful. I, I don't think it's great. I hate it. I hated this. And at this Do point, I, I vaguely remembered them being some sort of celebration scene here. But I was so upset when they started singing again, man. Ah, oh, fuck. Dude, it's an homage to Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, okay? Get over it. <laughs> I know it is. I got it. Yeah. It's definitely out of place, and it's weird, and it's not great, but... I don't hate, like, the music in it. I, like, I kind of like the weird, like, parade jazz thing that they got going on. It's, I don't think it's awful. It's definitely not the weirdest fucking thing to happen in this movie. Certainly not. But whatever it is, my thoughts aside, it fucking kills. And the kids are singing, the parents are singing, and what's strange is as they're going through before the musical number starts, Rex can suddenly hear all of the voices of the children, every single one of them simultaneously wishing, I wish dinosaurs were real. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, well, here we go. He was a fucking amazing hunter, Brandon. Well, And he's also eating the brain grain, dude. I should know better. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, if anything, he's smarter than he's ever been of course he can hear you can probably hear you right now and you probably i mean i know that you go to bed every day wishing that you could read (laughs) that is and honestly he's not answered my prayers thus far (laughs) yeah he does yeah professor new eyes does not give a shit about you I'm going to start praying to him. Like, uh, yeah, man, he just needs a spoonful of brain grain. That's all he needs, <laughs> Professor New Eyes. <laughs> he just needs to read. I'm sorry, but Rexy here needs 280 portions of the brain grain, Brandon. He used all of it. <laughs> but at this point, Cecilia, she's getting the hots for Louis. She tells Louis she likes him, and he replies with, shut up, what are you, mushy? Yeah, it is weird role reversal, because on the balcony, he was, like, hitting on her, and then for the rest of this movie, he's like, get the fuck away from me. And she is getting thirstier and thirstier (laughs) she could use a water break yeah tall cup of water and his name is louie and he will yell at you for showing him affection i guess that's his through line he's sick of his mom kissing him in public in front of the guys yeah how fucking old is louie is he 11 or is he like a 48 year old playboy he's like yeah not in fucking public babe Oh, man, he's got it all figured out. Yeah, he's my fucking hero. Rex, you know, accidentally winds up popping one of the dinosaur balloons. Because, again, despite having the brain gain cereal and being able to talk and converse with humans, he somehow mistakes mistakes this dinosaur balloon for being the real thing. And, yeah, he pops it, and all of a sudden people realize, hang on a second, if that's a balloon and it popped and these dinosaurs are walking and talking and singing, they must be real! And... Mania strikes. Everyone starts running around and freaking the hell out like I would if I saw a talking dinosaur. It's the most realistic reaction in this movie because, again, I just want to, like, put into context, we are putting dinosaurs who, like, hours ago could not think, like, cohesively. Now they're in New York City millions and millions of years into the future. They don't have any sort of culture shock. They're just like kind of accepting. They're like, yeah, this is New York. Picture the lost (laughs) world scene in San Francisco where the T-Rex is rampaging through. Now give him the ability to speak and he's got three bros behind him. And they're also in the most populated area of New York City on Thanksgiving. Like, honestly. I'd shit my pants. (laughs) At this point, the, the National Guard would probably just evacuate Manhattan so they could nuke it. Like it's oh, yeah, they are napalming that entire oh my section. Oh god, of- they are getting rid of every inch of Times Square. <laughs> well, again, Julia Bleeb, she's late as always, and they're gone. They're headed towards uh, Central Central Park. There was also well, a she's clearly post- blind too because at one point she puts a poster on one of the dinosaurs. Ah, oh, god damn it, Bleeb. So it's funny as hell. Yeah, I don't know about hell, but Professor Screw Eyes has a poster up. He's performing in Central Park. Wouldn't you know it? The circus they're going to is his. He's running it. Shyamalan twist. Oh, fuck. But thankfully, you know, the army, police, everyone, you know, they're all in 
full pursuit uh, of these dinosaurs. Meanwhile, Louis and Cecilia meet the leader of this eccentric circus, Screw Eyes himself. And this is real, th- dude. This is like I kept picturing that to catch a predator show because the he's, oh, it's he's creepy like, as hell. He's mind fucking them. Like he's telling them, they're like, no, I don't want you here for my circus. I can do better. And they're like, no, please take us. We'll do whatever. We'll sign your contract. Just take me, please. Well, and before we get too far ahead, Brandon, you're missing an somehow inexplicably important plot point where they walk in on like a clown showing off his act to <laughs> Professor Screw Eyes. <laughs> And, like, the kids laugh at it, and that's what, like, you know, the clown's, like, pumped up that they laughed, and Professor Screw-Eyes obviously hates fun, so he doesn't laugh. And then they go into, like, signing a contract, a blank contract in blood. (laughs) Dude, what is happening? Stubbs the Clown, by the way, yeah, played by Martin Short. He becomes a strange plot point (laughs) that I did not foresee. It's out of of fucking nowhere. It just doesn't make any sense. But again, we just want to put you into context if you're just tuning into the podcast, which of course you're not. But here we go. A quick summary. This is a movie about talking cartoon dinosaurs. Fast forward 40 minutes into this movie, we have children signing a contract in blood. (laughs) To be performers in the eccentric circus. Now, this circus, run by Professor New, <laughs> Professor New Eyes's seedy brother, Professor Screw Eyes. <laughs> he he wants his whole deal is to just make people afraid. He thinks that people, you know, really want to be afraid. They pay for this stuff, and that's what he's going to give them. And so he doesn't like his clowns to be funny for whatever reason. He likes them to be scary, and the kids even will be scary eventually. But he tells them like this. Co- <laughs> sign it in blood all of a sudden words appear on it harry potter style or some shit and they're like oh what have i done cecilia is immediately breaks out into tears like oh shit i shouldn't have signed that yeah like all like this fucking weird new york street hoodlum like convinces me to fucking join some weird ass circus i cut my hand to sign it in blood and now i'm stuck with this (laughs) fucking sexual predator with one eye this sucks I'm just picturing like Chris Hansen walk in like, so you pricked her finger with uh, a pin and rubbed blood on a note. What are you doing here? <laughs> exactly. What are you doing here, bud? Oh, what are you, man. What's going on? There's clearly some weird sex trafficking here because there's a game outside of this very circus where he's having this conversation. Naughty boys. Him. Yes, naughty boys delight. Naughty boys delight. Which, my God, how this escapes, like how this whole movie just escaped my childhood. It is a fucked up film. That's not even as far as the, the coincidences or the, the strangeness goes. No. Screw Eyes, like his brother, also has a radio, uh, only this is a fear radio, okay? A fright radio, rather, Mm -hmm. that picks up what people are afraid of. He turns this bad boy on, and some weird-ass ghost kids come out screaming about how they're afraid of monsters. So not only does he have the opposite of the uh, wish radio, he's also got the opposite of the brain grain cereal. Uh, He's got... Brain, brain drain brain pills <laughs> and it'll it'll suck the intelligence out of them and not only does it do that it also gives him the ability to control their willpower yeah and by the way uh it, i don't know if we even mentioned it the dinosaurs have found themselves in the haunted dead scary part of central park you know the part we all know into this circus and They've realized what the kids have done, and Professor Screw-Eyes shows them what these pills can do. He gives half a dose to the kids, which, again, Jesus Christ, the context of this movie. Um, And it turns them into monkeys, dude. (laughs) Little chimpanzees, and they're, like, sucking their thumbs, and they can't talk, but they're still wearing their kids' clothing. It's so stupid. Professor Screw-Eyes makes a deal. He's like, listen, like... Kids are scared of monsters. You guys are monsters if you would just be dumb again. I will let these kids out of their contract if you come take the brain drain and be part of my fucking scary circus. <laughs> How smart of an idea is it to give dinosaurs medication that turns them back into their like prehistoric wild ways? To be perfectly fair to Professor Screw Eyes, how good of an idea is it to bring in four dinosaurs in general <laughs> and bring them to New York? I don't care how smart they are. He didn't bring any context with him. He just drops them into the Hudson. Send out a press release for the love of God. 
Like, at least Jurassic Park had a little bit of context and isolation to it. This guy is just like, nope, New York City, here we go. And all he's got to save them is, like, little chains on their legs. Like, that'll do it. I've got them this way. But <laughs> yeah. Cecilia and Louis, yeah, they're, they're going to turn back into humans. But because they can't talk, Rex at this point, you know, real martyr, he's like, ah, uh, well, you guys were, you made a wish and we're going to make it come true. So he's led off basically to a Shutter Island-style lobotomy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is it better to live as a monster? or dies a good man he's thinking the whole time <laughs> yep and uh he chooses to die as a good man <laughs> but uh as he's you know he's given the medication stubs the clown the next day you know yeah he works for the villain and he basically explains what's going on to our kids after they're turned back into human beings and he's essentially an abused worker we talked about how you know his boss just wants him to make people scared and this whole thing but he's a clown dude he makes people laugh yeah that's the real irony of it all but uh this seems like a strange indictment of like horror movies (laughs) i kept reading like we're reading these weird things like because they're talking about all the people who want to come to the circus he calls them all like weirdos and these people why would anyone pay to want to be afraid it sounds stupid to me (laughs) i was like what are you doing here it's so funny you bring this up because i was just about to say there's a point and we'll get to it in like two seconds but there's a point where this circus like actually happens and i'm sitting there watching this movie and watching this scary circus unfold and i'm i was kind of sitting there i was like honestly like i might go see this circus it seems kind of cool like, <laughs> i would go see yeah this, this circus yeah. seems like the coolest part of the entire fucking movie <laughs> like it's and like some of the things that were happening i was like i would sit there and like watch this scary circus and you're right it is kind of like this weird like indictment of scary movies where and i think it's unfair because the whole time i'm sitting here i'm like well you know what i'd rather watch a good scary movie than a shitty cartoon about dinosaurs yeah i wonder if this was because this was right around the time where they're really hammering in on you know content for family films and trying to make you know family films less violent and stuff this is right after reagan in the 80s and it seemed and you know so i i wonder if that played into it all where they were telling kids not to watch violent stuff or scary stuff but maybe this is just me trying to find any semblance of message or, or a theme throughout the movie i have no idea this whole movie just seems like a way for spielberg to get kids who couldn't go see jurassic park into the theater to see a dinosaur movie you know what i'm saying like, very very true yes it the whole thing just seems like sort of building off of this sudden dinosaur mania that we have from land before time in Jurassic park. It, it just like, but I do think like it's an interesting thing that you picked out there with the scary movies, but I do think that's like giving the movie a little too much credit. You know what I mean? I think it's just, <laughs> that, that's I think it's too. just <laughs> bad writing. It's the night of the circus we mentioned. And yeah, this thing looks dope AF. There's some demons, some evil spirits flying around and a whole bunch of magic and shit. Looks pretty cool. Amazing Yeah, I mean, this whole scene goes on a little too long for a 70-minute movie, but whatever. Oh, filler for sure, but... But the dinosaurs are finally revealed. You know, they've got shackles on. They don't look necessarily like they used to. They're less cartoonized and kind of, you know, more primal and animalistic. Screw Eyes attempts to hypnotize Rex with his fake mystical eye there. The change is then taken off, and he's, like, telling Rex to move towards the audience, and people are appropriately freaked the fuck out and fleeing in terror. And then all of a sudden the lights just kind of flash for a second and suddenly Rex tries to eat the professor and then yeah like a like a crow hits like the flare lights or something like and just like well what's with the crows in this movie why do they become the heroes of this movie why, why are they so important or integral to the plot of this movie the crows come and go I don't and i don't understand they don't talk they don't have any other like real purpose other than to get rex out of his trance and they'll soon devour the villain <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck's going on with this movie. Like, like I don't understand why the villain is a villain. I don't understand anything that's going on if you, in this film. And if you want to be, like, really pissed off for a good two minutes, go up on YouTube and just look up this scene and this speech. This speech that Louis gives, like, had me gritting my teeth into powder like he basically he intervenes it's the worst and love and love wins it's yeah it's essentially just like it's like if you didn't do your homework and you had a presentation at school when you were in like fifth grade and like you just you're sitting there watching like this fucking 
12-year-old try and improvise a five-minute speech? <laughs> About being a good person or a good dinosaur, yeah. I guess. Use needs to do good in the world and don't be like the bad guys. Yeah, Rex means king. Be a king, Rex. Don't be mean. Be a king, Rex. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Are, what is going on? What is this speech? Well, it works, dude. Suddenly, Rex is smart again. <laughs> And so is his other pals as soon as they get a hug from the kids that snaps them out of there. <laughs> yeah, they get hugged from the kids and it snaps them out, which, you know, fuck me. We also skipped over uh, Cecilia at one point is like saying like weird things in the, in the stands, too. She's like, let nothing bad happen. <laughs> <laughs> Praying and crying. Yeah. Well, thankfully, dude, New Eyes and, and Vorb show up to save the day after really the whole plan's been thwarted. So they come, you know, they're not too early. Their pirate spaceship uh, time machine <laughs> cuts open the tent and just like comes down. And New Eyes even like goes up to Cecilia is like, you know, I heard you wishing that was a great wish. Let nothing bad happen. Like, Jesus Christ. Let no bad happen. Fuck me. Oh, oh boy. God. Well, Yeah. I heard you wish, and uh, he gives his brother an ultimatum, like, you want to come back with us? No harm, no foul. And the brother's like, nah, man, y'all suck. Yeah, no, fuck you. And the clown has, like, a great quitting speech, and by great, I mean long and stupid. <laughs> Louis and, uh, you know, Cecilia kiss, and again, it's the flip-flop where at first he, like, hates it, and then he likes it when he tells her that she should kiss him or something. She's like, she kisses him, and he's disgusted, and then when she's like, well, maybe you should kiss me, and he's like, oh, now I like ya. Classic toxic masculinity, dude. Dude, not only that, but then we also get a weird, gross, implied pterodactyl getting wet joke where she oh, like she's met, she's made a, a few passes at Rex throughout the film, and at this point she's like, "Looking at you, Rex, makes me want to lay an egg." Whoa! I just whoa. like she says like weird shit throughout this whole movie. Ovaries dropping. Yeah, like dude, the dinosaurs really like don't say much in this movie. In fact, they're gone for like a solid like twenty minutes of this movie. <laughs> they're absolute nothing characters. Rex, I guess, has a little personality. Uh, the way he pronounces some stupid things, or he keeps saying the Natural History of Museum in a dumb way. I don't I, in a in a Walter Cronkite impression. Yeah, like, like picture picture John Goodman not doing anything in the audio booth but they're like yeah just do it do it like cronkite and he's like okay (laughs) just like gives like a shitty cronkite impression uh but yeah Stubbs quits and new eyes leaves with you know our heroes the dinosaurs and the kids and screw eyes is left all alone to be eaten by crows the crows come in and just he's nothing left it's really weird don't know why maybe it's just you know hitchcock's the birds maybe this is a sequel and we didn't know it it's just like, yeah, he just, like, gets eaten by birds, and that's the end of Screw Eyes. And flash forward to present day, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. We're back on the golf course, dude. Yeah, we're coming full circle. He tells him that, yeah, they were led night at the museum style to pretend that they're, you know, statues during the day. And when parents are in view, they have to be statues. But when kids are all alone, they can chat and talk to them. What a nightmare this is. Yeah, what I mean, honestly, I'd be like, can you just put me back where I was? Like, I don't want to fucking do this the rest of my life. <laughs> Fuck yeah, this. also, like, I'm starving. I haven't eaten a, literally anything since being here. And I get, I got the brain grain stuff going on, and, and maybe that's satisfied my hunger for flesh, but... I'm still a dinosaur. <laughs> and yes, we we ate like 200 hot dogs on the spaceship because that was a scene. We we didn't really uh, oh, I don't right. know why that was a thing. Maybe it was just to prep them for New York New York City like street hot dog vendors, but whatever. Anyway. And that's the way it is. <laughs> Yeah, now we flash forward, you know, because the kids are all happy. We're back on the golf course, and Rex is kind of wrapping up his story. Again, this is an inexplicable way to tell this story. Like, just put us up and drop us in, like at the beginning of the story why do we have to fucking explain everything to this little bird because they want to start they don't want to startle the audience zach they gotta they gotta wade you into this water you know first what you're gonna start a off dinosaur with a dinosaur on the golf course golf. no context <laughs> exactly yeah. that's what i want to ease my way in he's wrapping up his story and basically just saying like yeah now uh louis and cecilia made up with their parents and they're a couple now which again yeah, they hooked up reunited with the parents and so does buster buster goes back home to his nest and hugs his mom and dad and everything seems to be as it is as it should be and that's the way it was as rex continues his round of golf as the sun sets on new york city at the end of we're back a dinosaur story zachary 
What are your thoughts on this 1993 animated film? Dude, what a fucking acid trip of a movie this is. I can't, like, I cannot believe what we just watched. And again, this was a movie that I watched all the time as a kid. All the time, Brandon. So to, to watch this and just like see how much of kind of a mess this film is, is a little jarring. Again, it, you can tell that it was definitely supposed to be a made-for-TV movie, only 70 minutes long, and it just feels like there's a lot of parts in this movie that were just quickly filled in when they were like, actually, we're going to put this as a feature-length film, we're going to make it, we're going to put it into theaters. It, You know, like you said, the animation, there's nothing great about it. It's It does remind me a little bit of American Tale animation, um, but just like everything about it feels lazy it's like even for a kid's film just a lot of this doesn't make sense i what did you say this got a 39 on rotten tomatoes it has a 38 percent on rotten tomatoes 38 percent on rotten tomatoes i'm gonna go lower i'm gonna give this a solid just 30 because man there's nothing really that impresses me about this film it's just messy not thought through uh, very confusing, strangely dark in places, you know, like, why do we have to see the villain get fucking eaten alive by crows? The direction is all over the place, probably don't have four people direct this movie. Um, the voice acting was just lazy, nothing really made sense. I might show this to a kid who, like, will look at colors. Like, honestly, don't show this to a kid older than maybe four or five years old, you know, any kid that can fucking understand the plots of movies doesn't need to see this. There are better dinosaur movies out there. If you're going to show them a, a dinosaur movie and you're okay with some of the dark themes that happen in this film, just go ahead and show them fucking Jurassic Park. It's way better. Yeah, this, I had not seen this in so, so long. And I, I'm guessing this is why I didn't revisit it. It was just maybe because my dumb kid brain was fascinated by the colors and maybe back in the early 90s we didn't have as varied and and you know wide of selections i guess for animated movies but i gotta be honest man i think not only is this the worst animated movie we've done on this show i think in my opinion i think this could be the worst i think this could be the movie i was bored the most during or i can't even say bored because i was so fascinated by where they were taking us but like just stepping back as a story itself, it's completely ludicrous, and and beyond that, it's just really dumb. Even for a kids' movie, it's just it's everything that I understood my parents hating having to sit through animated movies back in the day. It's all I understand that now. Like as an adult watching some of these movies, <laughs> it's like there's nothing for a, an adult in this movie. Uh, and so I was looking up actually like some reviews of it because again after watching it I was like this couldn't have gotten good reviews did it like what did Ebert give it so Roger Ebert gave it one out of four stars and he wrote it's shallow kind of dumb and the animation is routine the story isn't much and the stakes are a lot higher these days in the feature length animation game this bummed me out dude I I would gen honestly and I know I like this movie better than you but dude I would watch Kangaroo Jack three times in a row before having to sit through this again. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I understand where you're coming from there. Any positives I can ring out of it are is I do genuinely think that if the kind of the benchmark for the show is do you recommend this to someone who was, you know, nostalgic for it at a young age? I don't. I don't think kids of this day should watch this movie because I just don't think it's worth their time, even 70 minutes of it. But I do think this could be a very fun drink drinking movie or you know you get a little get a little bud and yeah i think you could have some oh 100 yeah. because it truly is mind-blowing in its ineptitude and how far it's willing to go to just make this premise work <laughs> it's fucking out there it's a great pre-game power hour yeah yes i agree and for that dude i'm gonna give this a 20 i'll give it a 20 <laughs> and for i mean the animation at least is like competent and the voices are fine, but I really just was bummed out a lot watching this. It reminded me of the animation, you're right, of, of American Tale, Fifle Goes West, and All Dogs Go to Heaven, that sort of darker animation that I used to really, really love and still love to this day. And so it kind of just disappointed myself that I didn't like the movie as much as I wanted to. And then I think that kind of factored into why I disliked it so much. It was just almost me being angry at myself. <laughs> I don't think it's the worst one we've seen in this show, but I do agree. I think it's one of the worst animated films, probably the worst animated film we've done on this show. And it, and you're right. I wouldn't recommend it to kids. Like I just like this movie, 
if you're nostalgic, go ahead and watch it while you're drinking. Other than that, just give it a fucking pass. All right. Well, dude, we're back. I'm glad we watched it because, again, we had talked about doing this forever. And honestly, we've been doing, to be perfectly honest, we've been doing some movies that were good. And we needed a fucking, we needed a stinker to fucking mix it up a little bit. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> yeah, you need a palate cleanser to remind yourself, you know, the good movies when they come. Which, by the way, next week's could be more of the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Why don't you tell the people what we're doing? Oh, boy. So, uh, for next week, it's football, man. Super Bowl is upon us. Yeah, it's coming. So, what better way? What better way uh, to revisit a football comedy from the 1990s, starring one of, starring your favorite actor of all time, right, Zach? Adam Sandler in 1998's The Water Boy. I'm gonna tell everybody right now. I'm going to not make friends next week. Like people are going to write in angry at the things I have to say about this fucking movie. I guarantee it. You can do it. Ooh, yeah, I. I love, what can I say? I love everybody in this movie. I love every movie Adam Sandler's ever done. I don't think he's annoying. And, uh, you know, uh, this this should be great. Wait, what was our last? Oh, Happy Gilmore, dude. So, wait, this is our first appearance of Rob Schneider, dude? Are we finally going to break out Schneider Soldier, dude? This is our first real Rob production. Oh, wait, hang on a second. No, we did have a touch of him. Only a splash in Home Alone. Duh. I do remember that. Doesn't count. Doesn't fucking count. <laughs> He's in, I think he's in the Waterboy even less than that movie, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be fucking crazy. I can't wait. Oh, we we well, are going to <laughs> shit on people's hopes and dreams for this movie because I know so many people think this is one of the funniest fucking movies that ever came out. We are prepared to lose subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, before we get into any of the plugs, dude, uh, did you watch anything? What did you watch this week, good or bad? Sure did. I'm going to give uh, two recommendations. One of them I'm going back to recommend a TV show really quick. If you're a fan of Trailer Park Boys or maybe The Office, uh, a show right now on Netflix that I just kind of stumbled on that's actually very, very good. It's called People Just Do Nothing. It's set in Brentford, UK, which is, I think, and I, you know, I hope any UK listeners don't fucking scream at me for getting my geography wrong. I think it's set in Southeast London, and it's basically a bunch of these, like, terrible mc rappers running a pirate radio station out of like some gross apartment in brentford uk uh they're terrible rappers are very delusional it just reminds me so much of like a british urban trailer park boys it's hysterical it's very short it's only six it's five seasons but they're only like four to six episodes long as british television is wont to do uh very funny i recommend that uh, the other thing I'm going to recommend, I literally just finished watching it before we started recording, uh, the Fire documentary on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely give it a watch, man. It is fucking, I, I can't speak for the Hulu one. I might end up watching that just to like kind of compare the two. But the one on Netflix, man, that thing is bonkers. If you didn't know what happened at that Fire Festival, basically they promised like this huge, awesome like almost Woodstock set in the Bahamas kind of experience and like didn't deliver on any fucking promises. Now the guy's been like convicted and sentenced to jail who was running it. And just like, you got to watch this. They have some amazing unprecedented footage in there because he had a camera crew following him this whole time. And like, they just got that footage. That's insane. And it's like insanely well done. It's by the same guys that did uh, Jim and Andy. Uh, it uh, Like, honestly, I think it could get a possible documentary award next year. Um, it's very, very good. And just when you think like things can't get more fucking bananas, what this guy does, it just gets fucking crazier and crazier. I fully recommend it. It's very good. Does Ja Rule at any point exclaim, what's my motherfucking name? Oh, Ja Rule is in it plenty. Um, he does not say, ask what his motherfucking name is or say it, uh, but he's in it and it's, it's just... It's a brilliant documentary. I, I highly recommend it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, Netflix getting in the Oscars game. I will say their choice for documentary selection. No, who, uh, won't you be my neighbor doc nomination to you for the Oscars? That's bullshit, because that was one of the best docs I saw. I don't even know if I want to get into the Oscar nominations, man. I Like, I've got issues on issues on issues with the Oscars yeah. this year. Well, 
I only mention it because one of my uh, recommends is Free Solo, which is one of the documentaries that was nominated for uh, Best Documentary. And I got to say, probably one of my favorite theater experiences. If you if this is playing in a theater near you, fucking see it on the biggest screen you can. It's amazing. It's about uh, Free Solo Climber and just his uh, – dude, it's nail-biting. Really great. Uh, one of my favorites of the year, as well as I saw Green Book, Viggo Mortensen, Mahershala Ali. Solid movie. I really enjoyed that. I know it's getting some pushback similar to Three Billboards did based on it's kind of dealing with race. Um, but I thought it was really, really good. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So to those, I recommend. Yeah, that's one I wanted to check out. And the other two, so I saw Escape Room. I will say for a January horror release, it's watchable. You do not need to see it in theaters or really even on Netflix. It's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not a good movie at all. But for January horror releases, it's 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 watchable. It's whatever. Um, and then I, I did also check out Glass, the uh, trilogy cap for oh. yeah, Unbreakable. Uh, I have so many thoughts on it, and I can't honestly even say whether I recommend it or not. I will say it's not a, a bad movie by far. I, I just it's not necessarily where I wanted it to go, but I'm curious to see if you know other what other people's thoughts are on this one. It, it's it's I've heard some negative things about, and it. and I can understand. I can understand how people could genuinely love or hate this movie based on where it ends. Um, and it's not necessarily so so much of a twist ending. It's more just kind of where the story takes you. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll say I want to revisit it before I give any sort of recommend or not recommend. I do. I, I say if you you have any you know interest in this movie, you know definitely go see it and form your own opinion. But I'm curious if you get around to seeing this. Did you see Unbreakable and Split? Uh, I've seen Split. Believe it or not, have not seen Unbreakable. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then yeah. I mean, I know what Unbreakable's about though. Sure. Like, and, and this movie felt a lot more like Split Two than Unbreakable Three. Take that or leave it. But uh, but gotcha. yeah, watch it if if you're interested. And and I'm I'm just kind of curious what people think of this one i know critics kind of slammed it audiences seem more receptive to it but i think this could ultimately be one of those movies that finds its audience later on like i think i mean it made a lot of money but i just feel like people are going to be more kind to this later once the whole because it's it's kind of commenting on superheroes the genre as it is now and i don't know a lot to handle i i might revisit it before giving it an ultimate recommend or not recommend all right wow uh i i was very curious to hear your thoughts on that one too so very cool we got a couple of great movies to see and maybe some to skip thank you for listening tune in next week uh the water boy as of recording is on netflix so you can check that out we're trying to do you know for the our first couple selections of this month ones that are readily available to our listeners so check that out it's pretty easy to find and uh yeah let us know what you want us to review in the future shoot us an email at nostalgia at gmail.com you can also reach us on facebook and twitter mm-hmm. and also don't forget you can check out this episode and every episode of nostalgia be damned at nbd.podbean.com Uh, That is nbd.podbean.com, where our site is originally hosted. You can also find us on iTunes and a couple of other podcasting apps. And uh, just remember to share this episode. Share every episode if you want. That'd be sweet. Tell your friends. Please, please, please. We're trying to build our listener base a little bit and really kind of get into some cool stuff. So anybody you can share this with really helps. And any review that you write really really helps the show so if you're a big listener it really helps us out if you give us you know a little bit of love online that it does man we're coming up on episode 60 here soon Waterboy will be episode 60 we can be an aarp now if we wanted dude thank god and you know what what a better fucking movie to i hate it i hate it <laughs> what a better movie to enjoy retirement to yeah, yeah. It is. what a better movie to just finally fucking call it quits <laughs> come on <laughs> gatorade oh, oh fuck boy me. i can't wait Love y'all. Peace right. out. Have a good one. Go back to rock to the dawn of time when the earth was smoking and the lava flow. Go back to rock to the dawn of time. You can blow your cool just like a volcano. Snap your fingers and stump the